0: Today's episode of the Two-Way Podcast, episode 60, is brought to you in part by Java & Mug. Do you have a sweet tooth? Are you looking to kill time? If you said yes to any of these, this is the place to be. Java & Mug has an array of sweets to indulge your sweet tooth, such as ice cream, milkshakes, bubble teas, smoothies, and more. Looking to pass time? They have awesome games like Jenga, Uno, Apples to Apples, and Eddie Mine's favorite, Clue. The Wi-Fi is spotty, but never the quality care. If you're local to Chicago, check them out. They're located on Bryn Avenue in the North Park neighborhood. <laughs> into a new episode of the two-way podcast have yourself a merry little christmas make the yuletides gay gay yes we're not talking about rudy gay on this podcast but uh (laughs) what an intro christmas is just around the corner the holiday season is here eddie man what is going on not much man Actually, that's a lie. What am I saying? That's
1: such an easy answer. It's been absolutely insane. Um, Working 12-hour days. Lots going on over the last couple of weeks. Um, Tons of Christmas parties for my company, so that's fun. Free drinks, free food. Uh, Tomorrow's party is supposed to be awesome. Had a secret Santa this morning with some guys from church, so that was always a good time. And now I get to podcast with one of my best friends. So what's not to love?
0: What is that 2,000
1: people were at this Christmas party? So that was the entire company party because we're, we're the headquarters for our, our global company. We rented out two restaurants right next to each other and blocked off a road. That's insane. Also had the best but also the most fuego margarita I've ever had in my life. Spicy around the lips. Muchos hot
0: was it a, like a habanero mark? I'm not sure but it was like the, the drink
1: itself was a kind of t- like tangy like jalapeno lime drink. That was awesome, but it was the salt around it that I had to keep wiping away from my lips. I felt like I was eating Mexican
0: candy. I grew up with Mexican candy and that's that stuff's fantastic.
1: I love it. You have to get used to it. like if you if you can get past the spicy outer area like like the spicy like salty thing out, out on the outside, the taste Pairs with it so well. So good.
0: I am on a flight to Providence tomorrow. And um that'll be fun. Hometown
1: of Chris Dunn.
0: Hometown of Chris.
1: From there? He just went to school there. He went
0: to school there, yeah. But um birthday is Friday. So coming up.
1: That's right. It's uh Friday. <laughs>
0: Yes, it's exactly what I just said. The 20th. and so I think we're gonna be in Boston. Um, we're gonna go to Bantam. We're a big cider people, so Bantam Brewery. Gonna go to a Celtics uh, game? No, they're playing the Celt. They're uh, the Celtics are playing the Pistons. I don't want to see that garbage. But um, I think we'll go to an axe throwing bar. That Should sounds kind of fun. Gonna yeah. hang
1: out with some friends.
0: Yeah, Haley's got more friends than I do out there, but nonetheless, it's. Hey. It's gonna be fun to be. Yeah, it's gonna be fun to be in a in a new city, new place. So I'm looking forward to it. Should be a good yeah. time. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's get right to it. Um, the NBA season continues to play itself out, um, but I want to instead of kind of talking about the hot stove of the week as we kind of usually start with, let's run it back with this draft rewind that we've been doing the last few weeks. We first started with the 2018 draft and then we did our 2017 draft. And today we're going to focus on the 2016 draft and more specifically kind of how do we evaluate players? How do we see how their careers play out? You know, it's so easy to evaluate players after one week, one season, but these guys take time to develop and as you you've seen it from this draft, I mean, it's spotty and People came into this 2016 draft thinking this cl- this draft class sucked, but there's some real talent, and you're already seeing some guys that could be first-time All-Stars this year. Um, it's it's better than you think. So, Yeah, that was my let's... take.
1: That was my take. I was going to say, just to add on to what you're saying, we this whole conversation, the reason why we wanted to do this, it's partly just we after the whole like first like part of the year conversation with Andrew Wiggins and how we're looking at these guys a few years on, we're, we're evaluating these guys too quickly. I mean, Andrew Wiggins is just a far and away better player than he has been in the previous seasons and a lot more efficient. They're finally figuring it out and how to play him, use him. We'll see if it continues. We'll see if it plays itself out. I need more than just a 25-game stretch. But it got us going into this conversation. And this is the first real draft where it the conversation hits its peak value and why we're doing it and what's the importance of the conversation we're having about evaluating players as fans of teams and of the players on these teams and how these, te- these teams are drafting these players. Because – The owner might fire a GM after a year if they get their draft pick wrong. But the reality is, is these guys might take years to develop. Like, let's start out here and jump into this conversation because, again, I agree with you. The conversation around this draft was that it sucked. There's a few good players Um, the number one player didn't even play his first year. And so it was questionable what the situation was going to be like. And this is actually a scenario where the guy did get fired. Simmons was drafted A year later. They drafted Javliel Okafor and they fired him because of these draft picks. But that's, or I think it was actually before Ben Simmons even played a game, they fired him. That's the reality of it. Ben Simmons is now an all-star. He's the only all-star from this draft so far, obviously, but let's jump in. I kind of broke this down into four tiers for myself, I had it in a All NBA t- talent, possible Hall of Famer level. When I say Hall, I say that because All NBAs usually kind of translate into that stratosphere. Uh, a second tier of All Stars, third tier of possible All Stars, most likely just starters, and then a final tier. There's obviously other tiers, but a final tier of uh, possible starters rotation. I'm not going to get into the rest of the the, the rotation, possible rotation players. Because is, this is a deep draft, kind of like 2017, a lot more top-heavy. Mm-hmm. What was your thoughts on Andy?
0: Well, I think it's this is a draft where I felt like people were drafting based on need than taking the best player available. Um, and you look at there's specific players from this draft that have very specific uh, skill sets. And so when you look at it, you know, Ben Simmons is clearly, he was that all-around player, you know, big guard that could, that they saw as like a future Magic Johnson, right? Um, But from there on, I mean, you were looking basically, I mean, Simmons and Ingram at the time were just, they were, they were the clear cut one and two, right? But from there on, it was like, do we draft by best player? Do we draft by need? Jalen Brown,
1: like possible talent even by, you know, what is the way the league is going? Because this is right around the tail end of that or the, like the middle to tail end of the conversation of like, how do we go small, get a lot of wings to defend the Warriors, right? And that was that impacted this draft as well.
0: I mean, Chris Dunn is not the fifth best player in this draft, not even close. But what he does yeah. is do specific. He's a, he's a guy that's good on the defensive end, and he proved that in Providence. And I think looking at Tom Thibodeau, who was overseeing the Timberwolves at the time as GM, like that's a prototypical Tibbs guy who is was, who was, who's living in like 2008 still. Right. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's kind of how do we evaluate talent is this is like the prototypical draft where we see that. I mean, I would, I would agree with you, man. I would, I would kind of, again, look at this draft from a tiers perspective um, because there's no clear cut number one guy from this draft, which, it's surprising for us to say because just a year ago, everyone would say Ben Simmons. But, yep. but Brandon Ingram has made a case where he's becoming a budding superstar. Because I,
1: I, I actually have the, my number one player in this draft as of right now is Siakam.
0: Oh, wow. Siakam, that's right. That's what
1: I'm that's getting right. at. Is that? I mean, that's where it gets crazy. I mean, you, the further you go down this draft you're still finding talent deep into the second round. Jake Lehman is like the 40-something, what is he, the the 47th pick, and it's not like he's not a serviceable player. He's decent for the Wolves right now. I mean, he's a serviceable player for the next well, few years.
0: And Rookie of the Year, Malcolm Brogdon, 36th pick, right? Yep. So, yep. so I mean, and
1: we're looking at a guy, I mean, Malcolm Brogdon was kind of like, a, oh my gosh, how is this guy the Rookie of the Year? What a weak draft. We were talking about this. We were like, man, that's a weak draft two years ago or a year and a half ago. Brockton is unreal this year for the Indiana Pacers. We're looking at this draft so differently. Um but go with your tiers and we can kinda we can kind of break it down together um and then get into the categories we kinda talk
0: about. Well I would say I would say I would, you know, I feel really good from It's one thing looking at these guys that could put up stats versus Guys who are just legit good. I was Chris put. Dunn. <laughs> this is the Chris Dunn draft, man. I know exactly where I was when I watched this draft. By the way, um, where were you? I was in my apartment, and I couldn't have been more excited when Chris Dunn landed in Minnesota. I, I was, and I, I think later that day I bought myself a customized Timberwolves jersey with Dunn on the back.
1: Hey, now now do the Chicago Bulls. How were how excited were you about that pick?
0: <laughs> <Demzel>. <laughs> all right so ben simmons brandon ingram pascal siakam in no particular order but i would say i like siakam more than i like simmons here um yep. and then ingram i guess would fall right there i think this the tier right below that and this isn't a, a, a drop-off tier it's just guys that are going to be solid that i think could be all-stars yep. is jamal murray jamal murray buddy healed demontis abonis. Uh, Bragdon um, Karis Levert maybe Uh Jalen Brown I'm sorry Angie Jalen Brown and so and then from there then you kind of look at some of these role players uh, you know Chris Dunn is a stretch I like Chris Dunn so I'm going to throw them in here but, but yeah uh, you're going to you're going to highlight him more than I will but He's some of these some of these guys though are really talented and they just need a chance like Jakob Jakob Pirtle for example came to the league He's been sitting behind Valanchunas on the Raptors, right, at the time. And then he goes to San Antonio in that big Kawhi trade. And then he's still sitting behind LaMarcus Aldridge. He's still
1: looking. Yeah, he needs to develop. I agree with you. I think there's – the issue that we're having is it's all based on scenario, right? Siakam goes into a scenario where, one, it's – Masai Ujiri, who's a huge fan of developing African talent in the league, knows the player very well, knew him for years, also has a team and a style, a desire to build out lengthy players that can do a lot of things, really stretch um, teams. I mean, even tonight, they literally used Siakam as a pseudo-center against the Pistons, who are a big team. Um, we're looking at these these scenarios. Buddy Heal was a guy who was... In New Orleans, not a great scenario. you think it would have been perfect next to Anthony Davis, but they, the way they were playing didn't play to his strengths, which is high-paced, shoot the three above, above, the, uh, above the break. I mean, there, is, there are scenarios, like you're saying, exactly. Opportunity. Jamal Murray is an example of a perfect opportunity where he got to be a budding player on a team that was looking to rebuild.
0: You know who's behind him, who's not as fortunate, is Malik Beasley.
1: Well, I mean, and that's that's another scenario, right? Where, like, he was a guy who, I think the Denver Nuggets developed, drafted to develop. Um, they weren't. I mean, he was a freshman, coming out as a freshman from Florida State. So it's not, he was a young guy, had to be developed. He's a guy that they might trade this year to get good value for. And I could see in the future being a a possible one, maybe two-time All-Star, which is no slouch career that's a great career that's the thing I have with this draft though so I have different tiers I actually only have Siakam and Simmons in the top tier I think they're the only guys that truly have the all NBA talent I can't see the other when I think of all NBA I'm thinking you're a top 15 player in the league you have a skill set that can carry you to being the best player on a team but also be one of the best players in the league like I like Ingram don't see that with him um, it's it's showing in New Orleans. He's not able to carry that team. That's actually still pretty talented.
0: So you don't uh, see you don't see Ingram any point in his career be that all around player.
1: Well, here's the thing. When I say, but I, like I said, my tier one is all NBAs and Hall of Famers because the level of this draft class is actually pretty high. Like I don't see Ingram as a Hall of Famer. I could see him maybe getting an All NBA team, maybe being a multiple time All Star, which gets you on the verge of that conversation, right? But I'm not seeing it with him. Like, again, if he continues to develop the way he's developing now in New Orleans, then, yeah, he probably has that chance. I'm just not there yet. But that's why we had this conversation, right? Like, what is Ingram going to look like in the Andrew Wiggins' year, right? His sixth year in the league. What is that going to look like? He's only 22. That's wild. How is Brandon Ingram actually, might, maybe he's 23, but how is, he, how is he only 23 years old right now? Like, he he's not even in his prime yet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but I, I would say, like, that being crazy as well, I, I, my look at this draft is pretty top-heavy in terms of talent, and then it drops off mostly to just middle starters and rotation guys. I see uh, Jamal Murray, Jonte Murray, Heald, Lavert, Dunn, Pardal, Juan Chahernan Gomez, a bunch of these guys are just – really solid rotation guys that you could have in your top nine in a game seven of an NBA finals. Like I could see a lot of these guys being rotation players.
0: Are you, Um, are you fully out on Papianis or? Well, that's, let's jump to that. What is, who is your
1: conversation for bus? Because this draft, like you said, is it's very hit or miss. Like you're either hitting on a good player and developing him, or you just, you got waxed by this draft.
0: This draft is pretty obvious. It's, it sticks out like a sore thumb,
1: but who knows it's, maybe in a few years, but like this Papianis is the biggest, I mean, no, not biggest no.
0: bust. Dragon Bender is the biggest. Bust. Yeah, exactly. Bender Bender by far is the biggest bust for sure. What sure. happens
1: if Dragon Bender ends up in an environment, like let's say he falls randomly to the Toronto Raptors. Does he, is he a, does he develop to be a better player because they have a
0: better system
1: and you're in so your trash organization.
0: And you're absolutely right. Like, look at Sabonis, for example. He was with the Thunder. Yeah. He he didn't look bad. He, he was he was he was a solid rotational player. Let's say he stayed in Oklahoma City, you might not see him put up the 18 and 13 that he's putting up this season, right? Like, he could yep. he could be very well be a good solid player, but you don't you you don't really fans and people around the league wouldn't see him as like a potential all-star this year. You know, it's like situation yeah. and environment is a huge piece of it.
1: And especially well. And like, like breaking it down. This is why we have this conversation for you, those, those listening. Like if you're a fan of the NBA and you want to learn more about the NBA, pick a team, like pick a team to follow, especially a team. If, if you have, if you're from a city or a state that has a team, follow that team, be a fan or pick your team. Um, you know, go after a team and follow them and then try, Look at how they're developing. What's their system that they're trying to play? What is the conversations around their front office? How have they handled front offices and coaches? What is the spine of their organization? Kind of like what we talked a lot about last year. Because Sabonis is a perfect example of a player, even going into a good situation in Oklahoma City, it verged on the bad side because, again, that was the the first year. Right when he was drafted was the year that Kevin Durant left, right? became Mm -hmm. the Russell Westbrook show. And they were trying to use him as a stretch, a stretch big shooting threes and shooting away from the basket. When he's Arvidas Sabonis, son, good at defense and good at passing in the post, like play to his strengths. He's great at rebounding. And only when he was moved to a different team, did he finally have that a team that knew they had to develop this player. They had to develop players because they weren't getting guys in Indiana. And that's why I like them. I like, I like Indiana because they develop players. They, they really have to yeah. care about the guys they have. But that's the beauty about basketball and following team sports is you get to see how do organizations develop themselves year after year, change themselves up, build, rebuild, tear down. And you, as a fan, you get to see if they're doing it well or doing it poorly. Like this draft is a perfect example of a do you have a healthy organization or do you not?
0: Well, and, and these players too are adapting to the game as well. Like the game is t- constantly changing. And so coaches are responsible to, I mean, the, the front office is responsible to to cult, cult, cultivate a, a team that can all kind of genuinely play together, right? The coaches are how do we maximize these players and maximize yes. their their skill sets. And the players, you know... It, you kind of start to see it in Boston. I mean, Jalen Brown's excelling this year because they're throwing out three or four guys interchangeably in Tatum, Hayward, Brown that could play the two, three, four, that could switch on different players. They're playing a system that plays to their strengths. Um, yep. Even in Indiana, like Sabonis has been doing the high pick and roll really well this year. Um, it's just like, how do we find. You know opportunities for these guys to develop their skills but also adapt to the game itself that's always changing it's just it's just it's, it's from from a fan's perspective to see it over the years change it's it's fantastic Auntie Zizic was a guy that had some run last year with Tristan Thompson being out and look what he did right like he he put up good numbers i mean he was he's kind of uh are you're high on zizich are you are you
1: Yeah. I mean, he's only 22. Again, this is a guy now who's kind of, he's whatever. He's not great. He's not bad. He's just whatever. But again, he's only, he's only in his third year in the NBA. His first year, he played 32 games, getting average of seven minutes a game. Next year was 18 minutes. I don't know where he's at averaging right now because of the front court issue there. Um, I'd like to see him get more time to develop, because this, this was a prospect that was drafted with the intention of letting him develop in Europe and then come over and build him out. And you got, he was a part of that Isaiah Thomas trade as a key young, core, a young player piece for Kyrie. Um, but the, again, I, I would say I'm not really paying so much attention to him. There's other players that are more interesting to me that I was a fan of. Denzel Valentine, going to the opposite end of the spectrum of, like, if you're getting drafted into a bad situation, this guy was the AP Player of the Year coming out as a senior from Michigan State. He was averaging 19, 7, or 19, sorry, let me go back to his stats in college, 19, 8, and 7.5 and rebounds with a steal, shooting very good percentages, uh, very efficient player um, on a good team. Like, he was a leader on, a, on a actually, you know, blue... Um, blue blood uh, college team, which means he was, he was an exceptional player and he's getting drafted into a scenario. Yes, he's been injured, but his second year in the NBA was pretty solid when he was given minutes. I mean, I don't know how great he was. You're a fan of them more, but it's sad to see scenarios where unhealthy organizations in health and just the scenario as a whole can shift a player. He went from being a guy who's going to get a lot of minutes and they were going to develop to getting injured and then being completely forgotten about in Chicago. Um that's a sad scenario for me, but this is this is where the conversation gets more interesting for me.
0: You know what player I'm not giving up on is uh Marquise Chris. Really? He he came in as the rawest player in that draft. He was 18. Yeah. He, you know, basically shot up the, the draft boards. He was one of those like draft day darlings you know like he was supposed to be like a late first round pick pre-draft like the combine was just he blew everyone out of the water with his athleticism his efficiency shot up to the lottery and um yeah but like I think people were jumping on that a little too soon and it took time for him to develop he was really inconsistent he had flashes in Phoenix but He's perfect for the modern NBA game. He's just perfect. Um, the he's NBA had, he's had issues,
1: though. I mean, his personal life has been tough, obviously, coming from being a young guy in the NBA, be, getting drafted into a, arguably the worst scenario in Phoenix. Like, it, it, just, it was never going to work out for him with that scenario. They're trying to change their culture around, and hopefully they can figure that out. But he's I'm now an, arguably one of the best cultures
0: in the NBA. So we'll see what happens to his career. Great culture, up and down. I mean, the, the the Warriors are essentially the team that really started this fast-paced <laughs> NBA. Like, maybe you can credit James Harden, Houston, a little bit, but I honestly the Steph Curry effect really the the fast the fast-paced offense, the up and down. I think could benefit Chris, and he still obviously has a lot of guys in front of him, and you don't know. Like again, that could be situation. I just don't want to give up on the guy. He's still like 21 years old. I know that time's not going to last forever, you know, and and contracts are a thing. And who's who's going to continue to give him contracts if he's not, you know, but he's got to
1: mature. That's the problem is he's a 22 year old young man who came in very immature. That was the reason why he was an issue. Like he had a good first couple of seasons developing, but. He got drafted into a bad scenario where they there wasn't a lot of maturity, a lot of veterans to teach him the ways of being in the NBA, and now he's having to figure it out, and that's honestly a good thing.
0: Can I just share this? Like, guys, come in, some t- most of the time with no no fathers, led by single single mothers, um, leading their households, and do you blame some of these kids coming into the NBA just like trying to? Figure out adulthood and like figure out responsibility and maturity, and all I mean, that takes time, like, that's a lot of pressure. I understand you get to a stage in your life where you're making millions of dollars and there's a lot of responsibility there, and you have to show that you're making strides. But I mean, kind of, kind of left to look situationally here, kind of what these kids are. are he, it's interesting, I'm looking at
1: his personal. I mean, again, I would say, first off, I, I don't want the conversation to be focused solely on like. Because the NBA is a is a predominantly black uh a black person league, uh person of color league, um the conversations can focus on that with young guys in maturity or things like that. That has a racial connotation in terms of the ways of describing it. I would I would say there is just an aspect in in any walk of life, right, where if you're coming from a scenario like he actually is, is uh, the fourth oldest of nine brothers and sisters to a single mom. Um, tough scenario, obviously. I don't know if, like, his I mentions his stepfather. I does not mention his dad. I don't know anything about that story too much. But I would say the bigger conversation is, and this key goes back to the NBA and how it ties into drafting, which is why I believe there should be a different way of developing players in the league. But if you're drafting a Kai, who is one year out of college, Do you remember yourself when you were 19? Imagine yourself when you're 19 and you're thrust into a team where you're handed millions of dollars, like your every two-week salary or your, uh, yeah, your every two-week salary or weekly salary is something like $15,000. Can you imagine being handed that much cash and having to figure out what to do with it? You have a lot of people asking for help, a lot of people asking for money, and you're 19. Like, I grew up in a two parent home where they loved me and took care of me and raised me good values. Didn't matter. Like not that he wasn't, but I grew up in a healthy home quote unquote and I would have struggled. I would have been, I could have struggled terribly depending on the environment. Yeah. And it's all based on, like we said, about how organizations put, you know, uh, safety nets and things around these players. And the NBA does a pretty good job of that in general with rookies, but Man, it's 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 hard out there, like just dealing with all of the all of the things that these guys have to deal with. I don't know,
0: yeah, no, I was just gonna say it's a fascinating it's a fascinating draft to get at from family perspectives, personal perspectives environment uh progression, all that stuff I mean it all plays a role, and you you're seeing i think when you're when guys are kind of what now fourth year in their league with a lot of these guys are in their fourth year now you're starting to see kind of their narrative play out a bit, right? And guys that are making it, guys who are not, guys who are getting the opportunities. And um, this is kind of that, that that year, right? Year four where you can kind of start to see things shape. And uh, breaking down these players is uh, pretty fascinating. Let's transition now and, and talk about Christmas Day because those games are coming up in just about a week here. And uh, the Christmas Day uh, schedule, before we get into it, Celtics-Raptors, Bucks-Sixers, Rockets-Warriors, Clippers-Lakers, and Pelicans-Nuggets. Of course they're going to throw in the Pelicans here because we thought Zion was playing and now we get to watch a a 6-win team go against like a 20-win team. That's fun. Um, What are your thoughts on these Christmas Day games? My immediate reaction is... Three games are good. Two games I'm not watching, and I'll leave it at that.
1: Yep. Yep. Um, I ranked them. Clippers-Lakers is obviously box office, going to be number one. Far and away the best game. Going to watch that for sure. Um, Bucks-76ers and Celtics-Raptors are both great games from an NBA-like nerd fan like perspective like we are. Great games to watch for just young talent. Um you know, NBA shakedown. Obviously, the thing is, the Christmas Day games is just the best, right? It's memories you have, one of the better memories you have of the NBA every year is just looking back and what games you watched. Uh, But the last two games just are kind of sad. Rockets, you know, are kind of still in there, obviously, but the Warriors are just not there like they were hoping, the NBA, I'm sure, was hoping would be the case. And then the Nuggets, obviously, Nuggets and Pelicans, that's just, it's more sad because you you don't have Zion and that was why they wanted to have it so um all things considered I mean Pelicans wouldn't be a terrible game to watch just because of Brandon Ingram and Drew Holiday but who knows I'm not watching any of those other two games so (laughs) but that's my ranking couldn't they like
0: couldn't they NBA just like secretly be like okay uh Hmm, we don't really want to put this Pelicans-Nuggets game on live TV. We could shift it, sure. What yeah, if we shift be. that game on Monday and then maybe bring the Jazz Heat game to Christmas Day? But it, they've been... I'm they, not, but it, I'm not a fan been, of that they, game either, though. Well, I mean...
1: It's a better game, but the thing is, is it's not box office. That's the reason why they no. put the Christmas Day games on the Christmas Day, right? They They wanted to see box office with Zion Williamson
0: not playing.
1: Which is kind of sad. A, like he's not playing his rookie year Christmas Day
0: game. There's a reason why musicals always come out on Christmas Day.
1: But he is getting he's getting shots up is what they're showing. So. Oh, cool. You are gonna make a trade he with Dallas? On, he legitimately needs to work on his body. Like he's a six foot six, two hundred and eighty pound, two hundred and ninety pound player. He's gonna blow up his calf and Achilles muscles. Very nervous, but. Let's move on. Final, final thing of the day. We're closing out. What is an incredible decade of just life, uh, of history, and of course of the NBA. Lots of lots of things have gone on. The beginning of this decade started out with uh, the end of the Lakers era, and the beginning of this new. You know, we had the Mavericks win the Heatles. Uh, the whole Warriors era, which is still going on, surprisingly, um, into the future. We're closing out the decade and kind of corny as hell, but we're going to have 2020 vision of the future. What is an insight, Andy, that you have for this next year? But also, I'm going to make it a little spicy. It's something I'm going to throw at you off the cuff that you didn't even know about. 2020 vision for the next decade Give me one prediction for both next year and the next decade that you see happening.
0: Um, I would say three point guards are going to get traded by the trade deadline. Yep. Kyle Lowry, Kyle Lowry, Drew holiday. And I want to say Dennis Smith jr. Gets traded. Yeah. But who who cares about Dennis Smith jr.? (laughs) When we go back to the Draft Rewind talk, it's all about situation and environment. Fair enough. Give that, sure. guy, give that guy a healthy franchise. New York Knicks yep. is a dumpster fire. I mean, that's where you go to burn and die. <laughs> yeah. So, look at all those guys. I mean, maybe Julius Randle is still putting up decent numbers, but everyone else just sucks. So, um I would love to see a Kyle Lowry to the Heat trade. Maybe throwing Goran Dragic is expiring. Um, Kendrick Nunn, maybe. They'd have. To, I, uh, I think
1: they'd only they'd only accept that trade if they're getting one of Bam, which you're not getting, um, or two of Kendrick Nunn and Justice Winslow.
0: They're not taking that trade back. Is there a situation where Drew Holiday ends up in? Denver. Can I give you my, give you my Denver, dream scenario? Denver or Denver's a great one.
1: Clips. Can I give you my dream Clips. scenario? What's that? I want them to end up on the Timberwolves. It's Here's not going to happen. Scenario. It's not going to happen. Yeah, it's not. I mean, they could
0: though. It could, but they won't, but it could. Minnesota does not have what New Orleans is looking for in that trade, but well, do you have a trade in mind of what that would look like?
1: So here's my trade. It's a two, there's two parts to it. The first part is the Timberwolves have to get the domino right with the Warriors. The Warriors trade is a wonky, kind of crazy scenario where, and I mentioned this in text message with you and Joel this past week, where if Minnesota can convince the Warriors to take on Gorgie Jang, which is a hard thing to sell, but they have this perfectly sized, Trade exception from Andre Iguodala that can swallow that up and not count. You trade Jarek Culver with that, basically a top level lottery pick and a first round pick for De, for DeAngelo Russell. The key part of that trade is the fact that the Warriors are now getting a twenty, I think it's a twenty two million dollar trade exception because of the all the difference in contracts between Culver. and and D'Angelo Russell that they can now use to add basically an Oladipo level superstar in the fall in the summer in terms of contract size. Right. So that's in that scenario that happens, Minnesota goes gambling, goes and gets another guy in drew holiday. Now you have two great scoring guards, one that's a defensive guard to pair with, um, a young roster in Andrew Wiggins and, um, towns. And I'm, and I would say in that scenario, you're, you're probably looking at sending out Covington or another couple of young pieces, maybe a Kogi. If you're, if you, if you have to um, send a couple first out for drew holiday, but in that scenario, you now have two guards that are great under contract for the next three years to pair with towns and you're ready to go. It's a dream scenario. I know, but the the trade for the Warriors actually makes sense. And for and and honestly, for the Pelicans, you got three years left of Drew Holiday, who's a borderline All Star. Getting two first round picks from the Timberwolves, eh, we'll see what happens. I don't know.
0: Well, you're always thinking of me. It's I appreciate nut- it.
1: I just don't. I think the Denver Nuggets would have to send out pieces they don't want to.
0: Especially if Denver's still like lingering as like a six five four seed. They, they want to they be up there with the Lakers and Clippers. I would say they would, they're would they in kind of win-now mode, and they can sacrifice some of the guys. I know M- MPJ is untouchable, but maybe Malik Beasley, Monte Morris, just to name some young guys. Um, but you would have to throw in maybe like a – I don't know. You'd be
1: throwing in a, a first at minimum, probably two, and you'd – Probably have to send Michael Porter, which they don't want to do.
0: You would have, yeah, I would, I would agree with that. What's your prediction for twenty twenty?
1: I'm gonna say it's two part. Giannis wins the MVP and they win the championship.
0: Okay, (laughs) you heard it here first, episode sixty. Giannis MVP, Bucks. The city of Milwaukee glories in the in the basking of the champagne. Um.
1: What is your prediction for the next decade? Gimme give, give me something spicy to close
0: this out for the year. And the decade.
1: Uh, and the decade. You gotta give it spice.
0: Luka Doncic. Five. Luka Doncic wins four MVPs.
1: Damn. Four and MVPs put you in the category. You're like one of the I think you're one of only three or
0: four players in history that have done that. Did I, I think d- well, you wanted the spice and mind you I love it I love it. MVP. Do you remember my spice from early November, late October when we were just 3 games in that I said Luka Doncic was going to win MVP this season? It's not happening. Oh, it's happening. Oh, it's not happening.
1: This, Wait, it there's only 4 there's only 5 players that have ever won the MVP award 4 times. And you're saying he's doing it in the next decade, which is likely, but or it's likely because I, I can't see anybody. I, I'm trying to think of anybody else really standing out in the next decade. But that's with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Bill Russell, Michael Jordan, Wilt Chamberlain, and LeBron James, the only players in history. It's going to happen with
0: Lucas. He'll get used to it.
1: This is insane. Like, Bill Sim- I thought Bill Simmons was kind of crazy when he was talking about Doncic last year. Looking at him now, awesome. Atlanta, you got, you got a multiple-time all-star, probably multiple all the nba player and Trey Young. You just – you gave up the chance to draft one of the – if you're saying four MVP, MVPs, he's one of the five best players in – or he's one of the, probably the ten <laughs> best players in the NBA history. One of the ten best players in NBA history. <laughs> there's not a player don't. on the list that have won, that has won more – that has won more than three MVPs that didn't win at least an NBA title, which means you are definitely a top ten player. The only player that's, yeah, so- not, on the, that's not on that I think is – uh, and not in uh, Bill Simmons' pyramid, top pyramid player. I think it might be Wilt Chamberlain, but I think he's actually in the top seven.
0: Doncic has way better hair and facial hair than, than Trey Young, too.
1: God, Trey Young is so fucking ugly. Anyways, <laughs> my, here's my prediction, and I, I've, I had to think about it. Giannis is going to leave the decade as the best player of the decade. On top of that, he is going to have won more championships in his career by the end of the decade than LeBron James.
0: So Ten years from now when saying, we have
1: our kids and we're hanging out at Christmases because we're both super rich and we're going to be able to fly wherever we want. Dreams, hashtag. Uh, we're going to be talking about our prediction on that this podcast and be like, dang, Eddie, you are so right. <laughs> literally, so literally, though, Bron- we're, we're looking at this draft and they – Doncic and Antetokounmpo might be the only players that win MVP that wore this this decade.
0: So LeBron's won three championships and you're saying the Bucs win it this year, so 2020 is the Bucks. So you're saying that Giannis wins more than three championships in that span, 2020 to 2029.
1: I say, I honestly think I think he wins four championships. He is Okay. I, I heard him. I heard um, who, they, who was talking about it on the latest Bill Simmons podcast. KG was talking about him. And the way KG talks about Giannis, I'm like, damn, this guy's only 23, going to be 24 this year. He is an elite mentality. He literally took the only part of his game that he was weak in last year, the three point shooting, and made it a part of his game when he was
0: 24. Giannis just turned 25. Bye. Did he actually? He, did he actually, did he ever? He did.
1: I mean, still doesn't matter 25, by the end of the decade, he will be 30, a 34, 35 on the verge. Like
0: it's hot. It's the spice. All right, man. Well, I, I have to pack. I got to get out to the East coast and and do this thing. So, um, I'm going to let you go, but, uh, We will be back in 2020. We're going to come after y'all with that 2020 laser vision. That was cheesy, but um, we'll be back in January. Uh, There'll be lots to talk about Christmas Day games, uh, trade speculation as that heats up. Um, But January, we'll be back on the two-way podcast. New year, new us, new decade. We'll be bringing the fire. If you like what you are listening to, we are on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. Please go rate and review us, five stars only. And we're on social media, Twitter, Instagram. So please find us, The 2 A Podcast. Eddie, Merry Christmas, man. Have a great time out in Washington. Have a happy new gonna- year and a
1: happy end of the decade. Hope you're reflective. It's been a pleasure getting to know you this decade. I'm only excited to live another one with you.
0: Hot take of the decade. We become. Hot take of the decade. Become, Eddie loves Andy. Hot, hot. take of the decade. We become better friends.
1: That's a hot take.
0: We are. We se- win. We are sexy hot. We win five. We, we win five best friend of the year awards. More than LeBron James. Yeah. More than the banana boat crew.
1: Actually, I'm gonna say over unders at 8.5. We might have. We might have a spell in there where. We have some fantasy heat where we hate each other for a bit (laughs) but it's always gonna come back to love you know what i mean you know what i'm saying
0: if you're gonna go one
1: way always make it
0: the two-way
1: happy 2020 guys